Hey, we're really excited for this week's episode. Uh, we've got some great entrepreneurs, Caleb and Tanner from Baywatch. Not the Baywatch you're thinking, but it's the Baywatch Technologies company. And uh, some of the things we learned, Jake and I, was uh, how to really uh, test your product and, and look at product market fit before you even take the concept to market. You're really good at that, when you say, Jake? Yeah, they struggled. They Their first iteration when they were in school, they, they didn't do any validation. So they got way far down the road before they realized that their product wasn't going to work. And so Baywatch Technologies is actually version 2.0. And it oh. was born because of that, the fact that they didn't validate their product to begin with. And they talked to probably 14 to 20 customers before they even launched, which I think is a great model for any company that's just starting out. Yeah, validate. So validate make sure that it's a thing before you launch so that's our takeaway for this week we're super excited to share this episode with you join us at the midnight founders podcast here we go let's go please how are you guys doing oh we're great oh, great happy yeah. to be here baywatch nice. not the baywatch you're thinking though this is baywatch technology i mean right? it could be the baywatch you're thinking <laughs> we should have worn our swimsuits <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a sunny day. There we go. That's I started my David Hasselhoff slow. Yeah. Well, we've we've joked like if we if we weren't gonna get I don't know like sued for copyright infringement, we'd we could, like send red swimsuits to like as like a little sales yeah. thing to all <laughs> of our know. potential customers. I think you just awesome. show up with your demos and swimsuits. Yeah. Well, exactly. I walk in the dealership. I'm like, oh, here, I'm here for the calendar shoot. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yes. great because that's I mean that's it's an icebreaker. So the customers that we sell to like grew up watching Baywatch, right? Like that's the generation. Like a lot of people in automotive are kind of that that age and demographic, and so we walk in with that name and like they. Is nice it an instant like, like bond? Like, oh wait, you guys yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Did you know? That, okay. <laughs> Where's Pamela? You don't look like <laughs> yeah. Castlehop. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, cool. So, uh, how did you guys get started? How did you meet each other? Is this like a? How, how did you get started in entrepreneurship? Yeah. What's the history of this? So Tanner and I have been best friends since we were three, actually. So it's kind of been a really long time coming, I guess. So. Um, and the Our, cool thing is you're still friends. We're that's, still yeah, friends. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And that's yeah, like what's really interesting. Happen, so. No. Yeah. So Tanner and I, uh, are, I think my mom and his dad went to high school together, but they weren't really in the same group. And then we were just like a few houses down from each other uh, when we were both three. Um, so Tanner and I kind of like from ever since then, we've just been best friends. Um, despite the fact that like I've moved across the country and Tanner's moved around Utah quite a bit. Obviously, both um, served church missions and like were outside of the country, and and uh, then we came back. and Tanner and I, so I started doing door to door sales when I was in high school. Actually, my parents like shit me off like the summer between my one of those. junior and yep. senior year, and just said, they "Go were for of, it, yeah, yep. get you out of the house." So uh, Go make something of yourself, exactly. Kind of thing, right? um, so I I did that uh, in high school. I did it. Uh, right before uh, I left on my church mission, and then I came back, and and Tanner came back shortly after, and I was like, "Hey, man, it's a great way to like pay for school. Uh, do you want to come work with me?" And so that's like the unique thing because a lot of like friendships aren't necessarily really good working relationships, and uh, Tanner and I have kind of been unique in that. Uh, prior to Baywatch, we had worked at two companies like together like extensively, not just in passing, but um, like every day working with each other. And so that's kind of where the personal relationship kind of took like a business turn, um, which I think has been for the better, right? Yeah, and we were both in positions that were like high level sales management. And so it was like really stressful. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. were always like, oh man, this is, it was, we wanted to kind of do our own thing eventually. We were like, oh, we kind of figured out how to do this sales thing and get other people to sell for us and, and succeed. But we we're like, ah, oh, well, it'd be great if we could create our own product, you know, to sell and be the owners of that. Yeah, the thing about like people who do sales, especially like direct sales, at least in my experience, is like obviously uh, they tend to think they're the brightest in the room that they can kind of do anything. Like that's just, I think the kind of like attitude you almost have to have to succeed in that world for like an extended period of time. And I won't speak for Tanner because Tanner has his own unique selling style that's like very different from mine and, and honestly a lot better. Um, but that's kind of how I, you know, survived in the sales world as I, you know, kind of thought I was an alpha in the sales world and, and worked my way up to being a VP of sales over at about 300 reps across the country that I was in charge of. 
And Tanner was uh, my right-hand guy uh, who managed, I think, three of those teams. So how many reps was that probably? Probably like 60. Or yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like just all, and, and all of his teams were always the best, uh, like, in terms of results. Like all, his teams were always at the top of the company. And so, uh, but like Tanner mentioned, like something that's also really frustrating is because you have to almost trick yourself into that like alpha mentality to succeed in sales a lot of the time, or at least I thought so. And again, I think you'll find Tanner is the exception to that. But for me anyways, I thought like I should just go do this myself because I was really frustrated by uh, the way I saw like the rest of the company being run and how it was impacting me. Uh, and even more so how it was impacting my reps, right? Like we saw how, because the company wasn't, um, we, we liked everyone at the company, but the company was having some issues with that scale. And I just didn't feel like they were focusing in the right areas. And it was leading to uh, like hurting my reps pocketbooks in terms of like what success they were able to achieve uh, because uh, things just weren't um, where they needed to be because of that rapid scaling. Um, and so I was like kind of becoming a little bit disenchanted with uh, working for a company and I decided I wanted to go do my own thing. And the, the funny thing though is um, my wife is like the complete opposite in me in that she's very risk adverse. Um, she's a CPA if that kind of can um, <laughs> show, the, show, right show the difference <laughs> yeah. between she and I. And so I had always told her uh, that I would, I was going to start a company one day, but I had promised her it was going to be after I achieved some level of success professionally and had like enough of a nest egg that it wasn't going to be a big deal. Um, and so I transferred uh, schools to, to BYU to join their, their finance program. And I was convinced the next step for me uh, going from the sales role was to, you know, go be uh, an investment banker and, and or, or get into um, consulting and, and just kind of that like really breaknet breakneck pace and, and environment. That's what I decided I wanted to do. And so I, I got into all of my finance classes and I'll never forget, I'm like sitting in like the very last day right before finals of that first semester of, of the finance court at BYU. And my professor like got up there and he's just like, honestly, guys, don't try to beat the market. It's never going to work. Just invest in index funds. And like, I guarantee you'll make more money than all the guys on Wall Street trying to trying to beat the market. And it was like totally deflating for me. Like I was like, yeah. he, he had like told this like crazy story, like, you know, multiple stories throughout the semester where he had talked about like the success that he had had. And I was like, I want to have that success. And then at the very end, he's just like, oh, don't even try. Right. And <laughs> I was uh, like saying, hey, everything I've told you has been a lie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how I felt. Yeah. yeah. And and it was funny because that same week I had just I needed to fill my schedule. So I'd signed up for like a, a executive lecture series where they'd bring, bring in various uh, executives or entrepreneurs to just talk about their experiences. And um, Eric Ray from Podium had come like that week. Um, and this was He's like pretty, awesome. pretty early in like the Podium years. Yeah, like I think they, they were just that, barely that closed their A maybe at the time, or maybe it was like a year after their seed, or like right before they raised their A. So it was, it was still fairly young as a company. And I've only talked to Eric a couple of times, including like that day. I doubt Eric would remember me, which is totally fine. But like what Eric said during that lecture series, like made like a huge impact on like my uh, career professionally. Cause he's like, look guys, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And a lot of people say that and they seem like they're the smartest people ever. And don't get me right, wrong. Like Eric is, is brilliant and he's a, so good at connecting with people and understanding and being able to like bring groups of people together. Um, but Eric also like seemed very like approachable, whereas a lot of the other like executives that had come through had like engineering backgrounds or like computer science backgrounds or what have you. Whereas Eric, I saw more of myself in Eric, which uh, is like totally, you know, I probably shouldn't say that because Eric has achieved more and will probably continue to achieve more than I will. But the important thing is he totally, he did inspire me, which is what I think he was trying to do. And so I called Tanner right after that class and this was, again, the same week that I had had that experience with a finance professor. And I was just like, hey, man, like, we should just go start a company. Eric can do it. We can if do Eric it, can do it, we can do it. <laughs> like, of course, Tanner, Tanner was at UVU, so Tanner didn't hear Eric speak. Yeah. Um, but because Tanner and I have been best friends for so long, he was like the first person I thought of calling to, to do this. And so 
what what kind of went through your head when I when I called you? I call Tanner with crazy ideas all the time, so I'm like really interested to hear. Yeah. Well, I just thought, okay, well, what are we gonna do, right? <laughs> like, Minor details. Yeah, right? sounds, yeah. Let's do sounds something. good. What is it? But, I mean, we're getting a paycheck right now, and we have no idea what yep. we're gonna go <laughs> build. Um, but that he, Caleb, did ignite that you know first flame that eventually led led to Baywatch. So, yeah. So, do you think Tanner? Do you have that same kind of entrepreneurial spirit that Caleb has? I do, but a lot more, you know, conservative, maybe. a little bit more timid, and Caleb's a little bit more that gunslinger out there, like, oh, we could try this and try this, and I'm like, oh, have we thought of that? Have we thought of this? Yeah. But at the same time, we, you know, I'll have ideas like that, and he'll play the devil's advocate to them, and, but we just have a great working relationship in that way, and I think um, it, it really, for me, it was, it was scary leaving that salary job. Um, and going off into the unknown. Um, but Oh, yeah, it was really scary because I left like eight months earlier and hadn't had a paycheck in that entire <laughs> yeah. time, and I'm like, hey, come do this. In hindsight, Caleb might have left a little bit too soon, but it, it all it all worked out. And so Put the pressure on, right? He put the pressure on and got the urgency going, and then eventually I jumped ship as well, and we were both trying to build the boat while we were out there. Yeah. So. Caleb's out there swimming. Hey, it's nice. It's nice. Come on in. The water's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We've all had those friends. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend like that. I'm that friend for Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what is, I mean, and I think Jake and I have an understanding of what Baywatch is, but I mean, for the audience, what is Baywatch? What do you guys do? Yeah. Go ahead, Tanner. Take it away. So Baywatch, it's not high-tech swimwear, you know, like we like to pitch to get in the door. Get or some photo shoots on the giggles, beach you know, or anything. photo shoots. Okay. It's a, we could do that, though. We could. We could. The price is right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a camera system and integrated software um, solution for the automotive industry to record vehicles and document the exterior condition of the vehicle throughout its lifetime. Um, specifically, what we majorly sell to new car dealerships, franchises, Ford, Toyota, Mercedes, um, and they install our system where customers drive in for service. And so when cars pull through, it records all the vehicle automatically. And then the dealership can pull it up with the license plate, zoom in and see any pre-existing damage that was there. Because a lot of times customers will either be mistaken or try to take advantage of the business. And they'll, after an oil change, they'll walk around to the passenger side and say, hey, you know, this scratch, was it, was it here or was it not? And the dealership had some tools, they, a pen and paper to try to, you know, cover, cover their butts. But a lot of times um, it, that just failed. And so we created an automated system that does it all. They never have to worry. And they always know that scratch was or was not there. I've always had those, I've heard horror stories about like rental cars. Oh yeah. And so yeah. I'm the guy that's got like 600 pictures of oh, every yeah. rental car I've ever rented on <laughs> yeah. my phone. It, imagine the case. frustration, like we started this company five years ago and like rental cars, like there's really four major companies in rental car and they're huge. And so we've been trying to break into that rental car game for a while. And so every time Tanner and I travel and we get a rental car, imagine our frustration knowing we have a system that like would make this like so much easier. And like just the bureaucracy of like not being able to, to make it happen. So that most of our customers at this point are car dealerships. And like Tanner mentioned, um, primarily like we, we kind of built the system to protect the dealership, but we also wanted to uh, protect the consumer because there are certainly times where a car dealership can damage a vehicle. And um, we wanted to make sure that the right party was held responsible for the damage no matter who that was. And so... Um, it was kind of interesting how we discovered the idea. Um, originally, Tanner and I were working on like a completely different idea, but still in the automotive space. Um, and so we had kind of like gotten really excited about uh, this this other idea. And like, <laughs> we like had like formed an entity and like done some legal work and then like built a website all before like validating like really anything. We thought it was the greatest idea. It's like, of course everyone was gonna like it. And so uh, as we started to like go to like our soft launch, it was a marketplace between uh, like independent repair shops and then the consumer. And so the consumer side of the business, we did a lot of uh, like surveying there and really great feedback. And that's why we thought we were like sitting on a gold mine. Um, but like we totally neglected to like talk to a single independent repair shop 
at all until like the week before we were going to like push our product live. And so we went to go talk to uh, some of those independent repair shops and they like all completely were like, yeah, we're not interested in that at all. Like we don't, we don't want that as part of our business. Um, you know, not, not a good fit for us. And Tanner and I were like pretty de- deflated, Ouch, right? Like yeah. we, yeah. we, like that idea had gotten us into BYU has like a summer launch pads, uh, for sure. like companies, uh, for students that are, are going there. And it's like a program over the whole summer. They give you office space. You have like weekly check-ins and resources. And then, um, so we, you know, just on that idea, we'd gotten into that, that launch pad. And, uh, and so we'd spent the whole summer building this again, not validating like what was arguably the most critical part because we thought it was a no brainer. Um, and then like at the very end of the summer, it was like July. Um, so almost five years ago, exactly is like when we were getting ready and we went to go talk to our independent repair shops who we were, we were sure were just going to sign up in droves and found out that they weren't interested at all. And so yeah. Tanner and I like went back to our little office at BYU, like completely demoralized. Like now what? Yeah. And on the whiteboard, we were like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do now? And we're like, well, you know, if the independent mechanic shops, you know, sometimes they might, they're not making as much money as these bigger car dealerships. And so we're like, well, more money, more problems, right? Maybe they have more problems. And so that got us in the door at a bunch of new car dealerships asking questions of, you know, what's the worst part about your mm-hmm. job? Yeah. And we then, decided yeah. to stop looking for a problem to fit the solution we'd already yeah. envisioned. We're like, let's just go hear what problems they have. Yeah. Which is a great learning to come across because... I mean, I can't tell you the number of pitches that I've sat through where they have a great solution, but where's the problem? Right. You know? yeah. They're yeah. trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Oh, yeah. You need to focus on that product market fit first, which sounds like you guys found out the hard way. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and the first I think it's, I think it's yeah. still something we're still, like, as we figure out, like, what's, you know, our second product we're going to yeah. add, what's our third product going to be? Like, I think Tanner and I are having to, like, remember like, hey, let's go find problems and not yeah. just, like, try to yeah. fit the solutions that we've kind yeah. of imagined over the last couple of years as we've built the core business. Like, let's make sure that there's actually something yeah. there before. Well, and we... the other smart thing you did, too, on that second go-round is you went and asked the market and yeah. talked to potential yeah. customers, hey, what is your problem? Yep. Where, again, so many companies forget to talk to who they're going to be selling to, which yep. is a big piece, yeah. Yeah. super important. Super important. Yeah. Oh, we agree, and that's... We don't, we didn't have a solution and try to like force it in, you know, we go with an open notebook and just start taking notes and then yeah. solutions start coming. Yeah. No agenda, I mean, we, just listening. Yeah. Exactly. We, we'd go to, we went to what, like 15 dealerships yeah. and like we followed everyone around. Like we followed the receptionists, we followed the porters, the technicians, the service yeah. managers, the advisors. It was like, easy at the time because we could say, oh, it's like, a yeah, school project. Yeah. You know? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Imagine like, like, what is this shadow here? Get <laughs> yeah. away from me. Like, I can, I, you'd be surprised what you can get away with just saying you're a student. Like that's probably been the oh, biggest yeah. like eye-opening experience. Like if you say you're a student, like they'll let you anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. That's the which, tip of the day right there. Yeah. Say yeah. you're a student, you get whatever you You're a student yeah. of life, <laughs> right? Like, phone, like hey, I'm a student asking some questions. They'll give you time. Yeah, yeah it's like the, everyone wants to help the kid out, I guess. Yep. So that's, yeah, so we were, I, I remember like exactly what happened. It was like the very beginning of August. Or was it the end of July? It was one of the two, like that that weird, awkward week in between. And we went to um, a, de- a Ford dealership just uh, up the, the freeway here. And we had, you know, spent the day a few hours with, with each of the, the various, uh, you know, employee roles. And we were with the service manager. And uh, one of the advisors came back and had said something along the lines of like, oh, we have another one. And like that, you know, kind of with a, this exasperated look on their face. And, and uh, of course, that's when Tanner and I perk up. We're like, oh, another one. And he's exasperated. Like, that's yeah. going to be good, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's when the service manager, who knew, obviously, why we were there, we, we had said we're students looking for problems. And uh, for, you know, a project we're working on, he's like, this is what you guys need to build. And then he's just like, I'm sick of having people come and, like, pick their vehicle up from an oil change and then saying, we damaged their car he's like, there's no way we damaged their car because all we did was drive it into an oil bay, change the oil, and then put it in the parking lot. Like, there's, like, no way we could have done this curb rash. I don't even have curbs on my, like, property. Like, where would this have been curb rashed? Like, there's no curb anywhere, right? Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, but it doesn't matter because if I 
tell them off, they're just going to blow me up on social media and then or give me a bad CSI score and that's going to hurt worse. So I just pay for it. It's just like, I, I just wish that I could just record every vehicle when it comes in. And Tanner and I, again, we come from the sales side. So like, we didn't understand like what kind of a technical undertaking, like we were really going to be like cameras post easy. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, Oh, this will, this will be simple. So, so we walked out of there and we're like, that's great. I think we finally have our idea. We're like, let's make sure. So one of the things that we had like learned in that uh, lecture series uh, as part of the Launchpad program was if you can get 70% of your target customers to say they would purchase your product before you, you know, actually build it, then you probably have something. So we went to, I think, 20 more dealerships after that um, and just uh, pitched like the product, like the idea. And, and, and they're like, oh yeah, like I think 14 or 15 of them ultimately ended up saying that they would you know, probably buy it. We're like, okay, cool, great. We're like, okay, well, let's not like go spend all the money. Cause we had won some money from that launch pad. We put it all into that first idea that we didn't validate. Right. So at this point we don't have any money that isn't our own to build this thing. So we're like, okay, we're going to have to figure out how to do this like as smart as possible. Right. Because it's our own money. Bootstrapping. We're totally bootstrapping. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so um, we're like, oh man, we can go get a GoPro from the university library for free. And then we're gonna go spend 50 bucks at Home Depot. We're gonna <laughs> get some sprinkler PVC pipe. You can see what's happening here. And <laughs> we're going right. to build the structure that we can drive a car through. Just but we move the GoPro. Yeah, around. we only have one GoPro. So we're gonna move the GoPro to get our various camera angles that we needed to show. <laughs> make our sales video. And we're gonna splice it all together to make it look like it's one take. That's funny. And we're gonna go take it to dealerships and we're gonna say that we already built it and see if we can get we're people sign to sign people up. up. Yeah. So that's what we did. And yeah. people signed up. People signed up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We should have charged more, but we didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, it's totally awkward too. Cause like, great. Like how quickly can you get it in? And we're like, crap. Like, oh, oh we have a wait list. Yeah. We're backed up. <laughs> we're, we're pretty backed up. We'll get back to you. That gives, that gives <laughs> meaning to the word You're at the scrappy. top. You're at the top of the yeah, wait list. But we have a wait list. <laughs> we have a wait list. We have. We need more GoPros. <laughs> yeah. He's scrappy. I love that. Yeah. So then, so again, because we're bootstrapping still, we're like, okay, how are we going to build this? And so we ended up just like, I'm a world-class Googler. You, you will probably never find it, someone yeah. at my level. Like to ask Tanner, yep. I Google. Number what one does that mean? Is, You'll find whatever you need to find I'll on Google? I'll find whatever I need. Like, it doesn't matter how obscure it is. I'll, I'll find it. Okay. So I found on some obscure forum, uh, this guy that was in Vancouver who had like created a... Um, like system to basically control IP cameras. And like there was other softwares out there, right? But like we didn't want to like completely take like a finished product. We wanted something that we could kind of like mold into what we needed it to do. And like we worked an agreement with him where we uh, would pay him and he would own the software. We'd pay him monthly for the software. Um, and, uh, and as we started to roll out, like what eventually became Baywatch and then <laughs> of course, like, because Tanner and I, again, are not technical, we're not engineers, software or hardware, mechanical, what, like, that's not, we just, we're sales guys, right? So, um, naturally, we think we're the perfect people to create some sort of, like, hardware product <laughs> with software, like, totally should be <laughs> right up our alley. And, uh, and so we, we went to a fencing store to get some of that, like, vinyl fence end post. That's like hollow. And then we're like, we're gonna mount cameras on that because the concept of like steel posts and 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 welding, like that just seemed like too hard. And we're and we're really good with we're really good yeah. with PVC pipe, right? So what's the like what's the next step from like sprinkler pipe? It's obviously fence posts, right? <laughs> so so we just like followed that. We we'd got these fence posts, we mounted some cameras on there. Yeah. Um, and we for our like first version of our product, we wanted to actually take it to dealerships so they could see it. So it needed to be mobile. So it needed to be yeah. mobile. So we couldn't just like mount it to the floor, but it needed to be our first version uh, was 12 feet tall and then had a crossbar because like we were told it needed to fit like big box trucks coming sure. through some of these dealerships. Yep. And so we're like, okay, how are we going to do that? We're like, Let's get some five gallon Home Depot buckets and let's fill them with cement. And then stick let's the like stick post. the fence post in there and let it harden. And then, so that the way it's, it's kind of stable, right? Because there's like 50 pounds of concrete. And then we'll just mount the cameras on it. And we'll take a Home Depot truck for 19 bucks for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever it is. We'll drive it to a dealership. 
We'll drop it off and then Tanner will bring it back because we don't want to pay more than 19 bucks to Home Depot bring the for truck their truck. Yeah. And while he's doing that, I'm going to buy myself, like take this 12 foot post with a five gallon bucket full of cement and like stand it up without falling on anything else in the dealership. Do the other one and hopefully Tanner's back by the time I need to do the crossbar so we can both do it. And then we needed to plug everything in to this little server that we had like built yeah. that was connected to that software we had uh, gotten from our friend in Vancouver. Um, and that's and that's what we did. And we did that at several dealerships. I just love that story so that's much. We same. hear we hear so many entrepreneurs, and I think it's I think it's unique to entrepreneurs because I think most people would just sit and stew for too long before they're they would ever be willing to just jump in and be like, oh, I'm gonna figure this out. Like and we're gonna sell it before we ever build it. <laughs> and and that's key. Like you had people saying, I want this before it is even a thing. And right. so yeah. then you're like, okay, now I gotta build it. So I'm gonna <laughs> figure this out and and you know, with duct tape and wire yeah. put it together. Literally and then tape, yeah. while you're putting it together, you had the wherewithal to keep the customer engaged as if you knew what you were doing the whole time so that they didn't feel like, oh, this is a hokey. What what is this? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, it's a tribute to you guys as entrepreneurs, honestly. Man, Do you guys have incredible. the for sale sign that you stole to use for your prototype? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's so funny. Like at our warehouse, we have like every iteration, like oh, from the cement so bucket, yeah. like all the way to like where that we are now. And it's contrast. so funny to like see how it, it changed. <laughs> yeah. And like in some ways, I think if Tanner and I had been more technical, I think he and I both have like it's just natural to be the type of person where you want to make sure you have something finished to show someone, sure. especially if it's something that you have a lot of experience with and, and like you, you feel like you should only show someone a finished product. Like I would never want to show people like how I sold when I first started, right? I'd be embarrassed by that. Um, but because we had no idea what we were doing from like a hardware and software engineering perspective, we had no idea just how pitiful our like first attempt actually was. Like now looking back, we know how it was, but at the time we were like very proud of it and thought it was really cool what yeah. we were doing. And it's so funny to talk to some yeah. of our first customers now. It's like, man, you guys showed up. And like in that moment, I really questioned like what we had signed up for. <laughs> well, yeah. because we were so excited. But because we, we were so excited about it, they just like let us put it up yeah. and then it yeah. worked how it was supposed to. And like that, like not that it like worked perfectly or like right off the bat, of course. Well, it's, it did solve their problem. But it solved yeah. their problem, right? Uh, or a percentage of it. Yeah. And yeah. so, and that's where, and that was enough for Tanner and I to keep going, right? And that's where, that's probably like the thing I'm most proud of is just how, Tanner and I, and, and that's where, like, in my own, hopefully, like, Eric Ray moment, it's like, honestly, if Tanner and I can figure out how to create this, like, integrated hardware and hardware software product, and, software. and we can get it into 100 dealerships across the country, like, literally anyone can probably achieve anything else in a quicker amount of time than it's <laughs> taken Tanner and I to figure that out. I think there's value, though, in the process you, you took going from start to finish, though, because now you know every facet of your business, right? Right. And you've had to learn the hard way. Hey, this is what we don't do, so now you yeah. know which way to do it correctly. Lots of And you of appreciate those. it. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, I mean, honestly, COVID has been even more reason why that's been the case. So, so Tanner and I, after we got our first couple of customers, we're like, okay, great. Now it's time to go raise money, right? Because that's where, especially like in college, like that's what like everyone celebrated of the companies that were coming out of like that Launchpad program and then just other Big peers. Of funding. It's like whoever was raising money was the one who was like perceived to be having the most success. And, and, and obviously I'm a very competitive person. And so I was like, I, not to be outdone. I'm like, I'm going to go raise some money, right? And so I, I do think if there was any mistake Tanner and I made at that beginning period, it's that we just raised money too fast. Mm. And we thought we needed money because we thought we needed to turn into a tech company. It's like, because Tanner and I weren't technical, we're like, okay, we need to hire somebody technical. And that person needs to be full-time because everyone needs a CTO that's full-time. Like that's what our peers were doing. Yeah. That's what we thought we needed to do. Um, and I, knowing what I know now, I think we should have just gone and bootstrapped as long as we possibly could because I think we could have achieved a similar level of success without some of the complications that come from raising money early, but we, we, we raised money early and, and we raised money from uh, an angel, our very first investor who was in the industry and, and we had a great personal rapport with him. Um, but uh, professionally, his career ended up taking uh, a shift where he wasn't able to be as involved as 
he, he thought he was going to be, and we thought. And so the whole reason why we took money from him ended up like becoming like more complicated than it was supposed to be because he couldn't help us with it. He was going to be an advisor kind of Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and he had a lot of connections. A ton of connections. Uh, but then okay. with a new role that he took, he wasn't able to necessarily go out on, time. on a limb to get those yeah, connections. A time and then just conflict what, of interest. Yeah, a lot of conflict yeah. of interest and things like that. And so, um, but we, I mean, we took the money, we hired our CTO who's, who's brilliant. Um, yeah. And we got a little, little salary. Like, a yeah, little. we, we were able to start making <laughs> we're some like, money. Okay, we have so a little I remember money. when I told my wife, I was going to like leave our, our, our old company where I was making like over six figures, not even graduated from college, like very comfortable life. Um, I told her I was going to leave to go start my own thing. It's like, yeah, I should be making about what I was making, you know, maybe like six, seven months. <laughs> I still don't think I'm making what, <laughs> yeah. what I was making then, um, which is just totally ironic. But a lot of that's obviously we're now we're still bootstrapping. Right. So, yeah. so to, to yeah. continue, this, continue the story, we raised some money. We started to grow our team. Right. Because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. And this is all still pre-COVID. This is all yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah. So this is, yep. I think we took our very first money in like the beginning of 2019. Um, and then we raised more money through, or was it, was it 18? 2018. Yeah. yeah, 2018. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, that was 2018. And then into 2019, um, we started raising from some other angel investors. So we'd grown our team, I think, to like 15, counting me and Tanner. And so we had like a team of software engineers. Obviously, we had a physical product that needed to be installed. So we had some installers. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner had like a small SDR New team, customer yeah. support, office manager. Uh, we had just like gotten into like a new uh, like warehouse like space that like we had had a say in how it got built out for all of our stuff. Like we thought we were living large. We're burning money. Like I think we're burning like 45 grand a month, but like we were growing and like we had investors that were wanted, up. Yeah, yeah, were lined up to, to continue to give us cash. So that's like taking us through 2018 into 2019. The problem with raising from angel investors is sometimes the money they, they think they're going to have to invest, like isn't actually ready to get invested yet because it's contingent on like other deals or, you know, real estate selling or whatever it is. And so we'd had that happen a couple of times super stressful like i uh lost so much like weight those like years fundraising like i i really like it took a toll on me i was putting payroll like on my credit card like multiple times just to like get between like 25 or fifty thousand dollar checks and and just to like because i knew we had money coming but it was going to take a week to get here but we needed payroll to go out today and like told my wife like hey putting payroll on my credit card again and like i hope it was a credit card with points or flight points (laughs) i got a lot of miles miles. there you go yes i did get a lot of miles it was not that so so you know benefit um but yeah that was like a really stressful time and so like that was like through 2019 had the team you know still growing the company was growing um, but we were like candidly struggling to like raise from like institutional investors. That was like the nut we couldn't quite crack. And part of that is most companies are either like a SaaS company, like software, they're a hardware company where you're selling the hardware immediately for for profit, or you're like an implementation company and like your you know services kind of a thing. And we're all three of those things uh, in one, and we had like not completely nailed our like. Uh, like financial model related to like, you know, how much are we going to charge our customers? How are we going, you know, what's our payback period? And we could show, like we had the hypothesis that once we're bolted to the floor of our customers, because the product does what it's supposed to do, it's going to be super sticky and we're not going to have any churn. But, you know, obviously most companies have churn, right? Like that's something almost every company deals with. And so as I was pitching institutional investors, they didn't really buy this idea where I was like, we're going to have a really low churn, like 3% or less. And because we were young enough, I didn't exactly have like the data to prove it. And so we were struggling to raise institutional capital. And we had finally gotten kind of like a large family office to uh, uh, invest. And we were supposed to close in March of 2020. And like this was like the round where oh, I was no. so excited because we're going to go all into growth. I was like, it's all going all into growth. Like, I'm going to finally, we'll finally have like 18 months of runway for the company. 
Like I'm not going to have to be like on the road fundraising like every other week like I had and putting payroll on my credit card. Like I was like, man, this is going to be so awesome. And we were thrilled. So all, you know, everything was like committed, you know, March came around and then obviously like we know what happened next, right? Like, like COVID happened <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, COVID, it's really funny. Tanner went to the dealer, the very, someone in Seattle, like one of the very first COVID cases had gone to a dealership that Tanner had been at that same week yeah. on a sales on trip. On a sales trip. Dodged a bullet. It wasn't me. It wasn't Tanner. <laughs> but it, it, Who knows? There wasn't testing back then, so yeah. you could have brought it to Utah. Yeah. Tanner might call. be patient zero for Utah. I we have no idea. Zero. Who knows? Um, but but obviously there was a lot of uncertainty when COVID landed in the U.S. and and so understandably uh, that investor had decided to to pull back and wait it out. Problem is, is like I needed that money because. I had like really nothing left yeah. in the bank. Yeah, high like burn a few rate, months, a few high burn left. rate. Yeah. yeah, like we had like I think two or three months worth of yeah. of you know there, and that's if Tanner and I like completely like didn't pay ourselves a dime, uh, and just like let Baywatch like not get reimbursed for like I think I still had like a payroll on one of my credit cards that I I hadn't you know taken care of yet, and so um, that was like just devastating like especially because this had happened like i mentioned a couple of times before where like an angel investor had committed capital and then wasn't able to come through and and that was difficult but like this really was like the straw that broke my back related to like fundraising and i just remember just like realizing the only way out of this is like we've got to like let our employees go get ourselves to like cash flow neutral and just try to like ride this out because we have no idea what the next like few months or what has ultimately yeah. ended up being like over you know a year or two was it was going to be like and so uh, I Tanner came into my office or I went into your office and what's so ironic is our walls were like paper thin which really became like difficult like two weeks later um, but like I was just like I think the best thing to do is to just get everybody paid until they can get new jobs. Like we have the capital for that. Let's like do everything we can in our networks to get everybody placed. Um, and then you and I are just gonna go back to trying to run this thing, just the two of us full time. And so that that's what we did. Like we, every single one of our employees got jobs before everyone like freeze their hiring, like when COVID like hit. And so we're really fortunate in that way because no one missed paychecks. Um, that was cool of you guys to take the high road like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. and and I'm glad that we did. And and the cool thing is, like, we still have really good relationships with all with, those employees. With all of them. Yeah. And we, have like, you hired any of them back? So our CTO and our computer vision engineer still do yeah. work for us part time. Mm -hmm. um, both of our installers have done work for us, uh, yeah. like on no, a contract bridges basis. Were burned, yeah. which was awesome. Yep. Yeah. March was, of, oh, go ahead. Jay. March of 2020 was just such an eerie time. Oh so weird. Gosh. The whole world shut down. Yeah, yeah it was just so weird. Strange. And everyone and thought it was going to be like, you know, a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Like that's what and, everyone and said. And there was so much fear in the air. Like yep. I remember with the gas station. And I just had no idea. People wouldn't even dare touch the gas pumps because yep. they didn't know if they were infected. You know, it was yep. just the yeah. weirdest time. Yeah, we had no idea. So, so strange. So I think it's really fascinating because uh, you, you had this high of like, I just, I can feel it in your voice where it was like, you finally felt like you had this air. Like yeah. you had breathing room, you could like slow down, take a breath, and you didn't have the stress. And then all of a sudden, the wind was just taken out of your sails. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> at that point, what was it that that the two of you decided we're gonna push through this? Like, why? That's like really kind of an interesting question. I I don't know if yeah. I can really, I don't know what was going through my head. Yeah, it was it was probably. We had just seen, like, we believed in the product. I think and it was our customers that probably yeah, were the reason. Yeah. It's like the thing that's always kept us pretty motivated has been um, our customers love our product. Mm -hmm. And yep. I, like, I, my part of the business that I do today is, like, a lot of, like, fixing stuff that, like, inevitably breaks because I have, like, hardware at, like, over 100 locations across the country. So there's, you know, going to be something broken every other day. It, it feels like sometimes, right? And so that's sometimes, like, even today, like, it's kind of a negative, like, energy around that and, and kind of gets tiresome for me. But, like, what has always picked me up, and I think what picked us up then, was, like, we didn't, we didn't have a single customer cancel. 
during COVID. Not one. Yeah. And they were canceling a bunch of other softwares yeah. or things they were using, but they weren't going to cancel Baywatch. And oh, like, there's and they, some validation right there. And they there. were just like, we like, we were like, they were so like our customers have just always been like such believers in the product because it's, it, again, it does exactly what we said it was going to do. And, mm. and it could, cause it completely deescalates like what could be like a really like emotional situation, right? Like if, if your vehicle, which is like one of the, you know, probably one of the biggest like assets or liabilities that you have and, and you find that it's damaged in some way, that's going to be like an emotionally charged, you know, kind of realization. <laughs> yeah. And, and so if you take those emotions and like you go, you know, to the person who you think or, or the the business you think caused those like you can imagine that those get kind of like really out of hand quickly lots of four letter words thrown oh out. for sure <laughs> yeah and I've so to be it. able it's to on liar liar yeah, yeah. you know the movie liar liar yeah. he gets yeah. his Jim car Carey. towed yeah. and he's like yep. right here yep. that's right <laughs> that was already there uh, yep funny <laughs> and so that's yeah. where like being able to just completely de-escalate that with our product and say hey like you know i understand like let's take a look and see like what condition your vehicle came in. It's our fault. Because we'll if it's our fault, it. like we want to get it taken care of. Right. And being able to like have like an undeniable record, right. Yeah. Of like how the vehicle came in and how it left, like totally pulls all emotion out of it. All right. You're just looking at the facts of like, how did it come in and how did it leave? And that's really, I think what kept, if, if I look back and, and try to figure out what headspace I was in, I think it was that, I think it was that, um, our customers were such believers in the product. And even though I was struggling to understand and believe in the business, business model and I could, I, I could, couldn't deny the product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had solved the problem and that yeah. kept us in business. That's yeah. awesome. So you rebuilt, you went down to ground zero again. Yep. And where are you at today? Give us some, some yeah, idea so of your success. Yeah. We've like now. tripled since then, just yeah. Tanner and myself. Yep. And like Caleb said, we do have part-time tech help, which is right. definitely, yeah. did <laughs> but it's it's been awesome because 100 locations we, i heard that number. yeah 100 yeah. locations we're international we got a couple in canada yeah so that's a big deal nice. we really had to do some language <laughs> adjustments to everything for <laughs> currency <laughs> conversion i don't know, I don't know when they're talking know. a boot right that's <laughs> funny yeah so it's it's been great and we're working on a couple big deals in the pipeline with some rental car companies that have been in the pipeline a while but yeah those move Man, slow because we had so. made some real momentum with the a certain rental car company. And they were hit pretty hard during COVID as yeah. well. Destroyed, right? Because kind of we, ruined some of our traction. Yeah, because yeah, that was, I mean, in 2019 in the fall, that's when we'd done this like proof of concept with uh, with a really large rental company uh, out east. And like the feedback we got was awesome. And so at, that was the other thing that was like pretty demoralizing was like we thought we were on the verge of signing like what ultimately was huge going to be yeah. a huge strategic partnership, if not potentially like an outright acquisition of like our our product and that's ultimately like if you ask tanner and myself like we love working with car dealerships and and we'll continue to do that but when when you ask like where do we think our product could be like the biggest use it's it's obviously rental car right like that's when like no one wants to be walking around taking pictures of their rental car vehicle at like 11:30 <laughs> at night in a dimly lit after a 20 hour flight after yeah. exactly it's, it's like cold, a total nightmare right yeah and so that's ultimately like what we want to keep working on. And, and then obviously, like I said, we'd made good headway in 2019. COVID happened. Like they, you know, their business, like I'm glad. Stopped. I yeah. thought I was stressed out. I can only imagine how they were stressed, yeah, right? Sure. Um, and so they're obviously starting to build up their fleets again. And hopefully we'll, we have some traction there with a, a couple of, yeah. of companies. And so that's what we'd really like to see happen. Here so, in the future. so here's my question for both of you. Now you've gone through this and you've gone through the highs and the lows and everything in between, right? What have you learned about each other that you didn't know before, even though you've been friends your whole life? I'm curious about that. Mm. Yeah. Good question. I've only seen Tanner really pissed like one time in my life. And you want to know what it was? It's so funny. Like, I do actually want to know. This <laughs> is like it's it's, it's hilarious. So because Tanner and I were the only ones at the company, we started doing installs, right? Uh -huh. And so I would fly out and do the installs, but Tanner would help me prep everything before because Tanner was doing sales trips, so he was doing his own travel. And like one night, um, I'm just like done. Like I'd traveled like almost every week for like the last like eight weeks before then, and so and this was like the last one. So I'm at like the at, like 
I got nothing left in the tank basically. And it's like 1145 <laughs> at night yeah. and Tanner had like, I had not been clear in what, where each set of cameras needed to go. And Tanner had put them on the wrong post. And like, I lost it. I was so mad at Tanner. And like, Tanner just looked at me and said, calm the freak down, man. And like, it just shocked me because I've never in my life like seen Tanner like that worked up before. And like, I, like a little dog, like just my tail between my legs, I just like turned around and like went back to what I was doing. And, and so that's what I've learned about Tanner is that Tanner that has that in him. <laughs> yeah, like Tanner, we've never fought yeah. ever. Yeah, and that like that wasn't even a fight. No, it wasn't a fight. But I never thought you had it in you to have a fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Matt told me you do. You just have an extraordinary amount of self control. So Tanner, yeah. how about you? What did you learn about I Caleb? Think I've learned about Caleb that he's he's one of the best problem solvers like I've ever met. And I think before when we worked together with sales and things like that, I was like, oh, he's a good leader. He's a great sales guy. But when you get into the weeds of building a business, there's so many problems that need to be solved. And kind of like what we said earlier, he's a world-class Googler. What that means is he, we don't know what we need to do. And he's out there looking and finding the information that you know fills in the cracks. And so that's what I've learned the most about Caleb is if there's a problem, like Caleb is on my team, we're, we're going to figure it out. It's cool. Yeah. Okay, well, like I'm going to change your name in my phone from Caleb Baywatch to Caleb Googler, and then I'll <laughs> yeah. know who I need Honestly, to call when that I have might a mean, problem to solve. That's, right. <laughs> that, that's more of a point of pride yeah. than, than I anything. Love it. And, and for calming it. moments, I'm going to put Tanner the Peacemaker. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like I mentioned this at the beginning. Like Tanner's sales style, like it's so disarming, right? Like I have the type of sales style where I kind of like swoop in and I'm trying to be charismatic and like connect. And like Tanner walks in and he acts like he's known this person forever, but not in like a corny way. And it's like completely, it's so funny because we sell to car dealerships, right? Like these are the people that sell for a sells living. Yeah. Sells they created sells, the selling yeah. brand. They, yeah. They, yeah, like there's a whole like stigma associated. Wait, let me see if we can get this deal done. Let me go talk to my manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna go back, see if we can so, get a deal. So, you can understand that you can't be that type of salesperson to that type of salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd say my sales brand is more closely aligned to that type of sales uh, style. Whereas like Tanner like walks in and I don't know if it's because like you should have seen him before he started growing his facial hair. He looked like he was 12. Yeah, I, I looked like I was a student like for the last <laughs> Is that years, why so there's yeah. the facial That's hair That's why now? he can get in with the student thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a student. The whole student thing is making yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't think it would work it. for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yep. MBA, you know. Yeah. So like Tanner walks in and like you've never been yelled at at a car no, dealership, no, not really. which yeah. is so crazy because it's like, you get yelled at all the time at a car dealership. Just like <laughs> like for even being a customer at a car dealership, I think you can get yelled at. Tanner's never been yelled at once. And he shows up at these car dealerships sometimes like multiple times a week, right? Just to talk to someone. Like they'll roll his eyes when they see him walking up, but they will never cuss him out because he's so disarming. So it's like, it's just fascinating. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, cool. It works. You should do a training on that sometime. <laughs> I don't know if it can be taught, honestly. Like, yeah, we tried. We tried we, to teach some of them and it's it's tricky. I don't know. Like you can teach selling, like don't like Tanner's yeah. a great teacher of like sales technique, but like just Tanner's sales style. It's like I just think very few salespeople can. It's it's more a personality thing than it is like a sales style. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is like Tanner's always been, like I you said the highs and the lows right like that pretty much describes like me to a T. I I ride high and I ride real low, and Tanner's just always like killed. This. Always even killed. And so it's a great quality to have. Oh, it's like it, I and that's why I say like there are very few people who are in my personal life that I feel like I could start a business with and feel like it wasn't going to turn into like some sort of disaster where I don't talk to that person anymore. Tanner's like at the forefront of that because I know Tanner and I don't agree on a lot of things, but it's always extremely like balanced. It's very cordial. Our disagreements never turn into like all out fights. And it's just, I think it's more because of Tanner's personality related to being even killed where it's like, I don't feel like I have to yell to be heard. He hears me. Um, and then obviously because he doesn't yell at all, I always listen to him. <laughs> well, I've been, uh, I met you guys, what, six months ago or so. And I've been yeah. super impressed with 
you know, what, you, what you've done and, and with both of you and just all my interactions with you. So congratulations on the success so Thanks. far. Yeah, I'm you. excited to see what's next. Um, Us too. How do the, the listeners find you guys personally? And then how do they find Baywatch? Yeah, so uh, we're both on LinkedIn. I'm just Caleb Wagner, Tanner Beckstrand. Tanner Beckstrand. Yeah. Yep. Um, our contact information is on our website as well, I think. So baywatchtech.com. So check us out. Yep, cool video on there. You can check out the system yeah. and see how it works. Or start paying attention at your local car dealership. You might see yeah. Baywatch. Look for the Baywatch. Yeah. Especially model, in, but in yeah. camera system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you're in... Like uh, the New Jersey area or anywhere really in the inner Colorado, Mountain West, Utah, you'll Nevada. see yeah. our system more than likely at your car dealership. And if you're associated with a car rental business, then you need yeah, to reach please. out and be the yeah. first Honestly, one yeah. to adopt. Like, <laughs> give us a call because I guarantee you'll have the happiest rental customers if you put something like our system yeah. in. I don't even care if it's our, I want it to be our system. Don't get me wrong. But like, just do something Listen, better. Someone needs to solve the problem. Like, so. It's so <laughs> annoying. If I have to rent another car... Knowing that I have a company that could solve this problem, I'm going to go crazy. That's why I sent Tanner on sales trips. Now. I'm just like not interested. Well, this has been fun, you guys. What's the final tip? I mean, we've talked about a lot of helps uh, for entrepreneurs today, but what's the one most important final tip you'd leave with our audience before we sign out? Yeah, I think for me, um, when you're first trying to start a business, you really got to make sure you do the validating in the correct Validate. order, which we learned. But you don't, you take that skill and you use it throughout the cycle of the business yeah. as you're launching new features or new products yep. you always gotta do it with everything get, yeah do it with everything and that's yeah. that's a huge tip you're gonna save yourself a lot of wasted dollars I love and that. wasted time yeah i mean that's what i was thinking the whole time that's they were the talking biggest about we hear it all the time validate 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 and you yeah. hear that but a lot of people still don't yeah. do oh, it yeah. don't. pick and up the phone email go talk even, to the people yeah. yeah even tanner and i like now it's like we'll just get excited about some idea that we have and we have to be like, oh, wait, did we like validate this? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so remember the tip. I'm a student and I'm doing a project. <laughs> yeah, doing a project. Would no you pay hair. for this? <laughs> Shave. <laughs> Shave. <laughs> Make yourself look as young as possible. <laughs> Caleb, how about you? Last tip. Uh, my tip would just be uh, have a co-founder that can like balance you out in like every way possible or co-founders, right? I, I think if Tanner, if I had not started the business with Tanner, it either would have come to a halt on its own or I probably would have left. Like, honestly, Tanner's probably the only reason at this point I've stuck it out because it's been really difficult. And there's been times when, like, I've really questioned my abilities to, like, go any further. And what's kept me going has been my respect um, and partnership with Tanner. And it's like I can't be the one that decides to be done. It's like Tanner's not done. I'm not done. And so um, that was really critical, especially during those dark COVID months, you know, and everything that happened before that with fundraising. And so just be very, make sure you have a co-founder that you feel that way about and can feel that way when the you know, chips are all on the table and your back's against the wall. Love it. Thanks, Caleb and Tanner for joining us today on the Midnight Founders podcast. We look forward to the progress and the success you have. Thanks. Good yeah. luck. Thank you. See ya. Yeah. Yeah.